listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and calling for a general strike <laughs> from the unions. <laughs> if you're doing a podcast right now, stop it. I'm doing my bit. <laughs> I'm, um, not, I'm not going to get into it this week because we're recording on Sunday the 16th and fingers fucking crossed that the announcement coming on Monday the 17th from the unions is in any way good. So hopefully this is a little time capsule where you're like, oh, things took a turn for the better in 2022. But for fuck's sake, workers are dying. They can't get protections. They can't isolate. They, they're not financially supported by their bosses or the government. The only weapon that workers have is walking off the fucking job. If the unions in this country could support them, that'd be fucking great. <laughs> Send a tweet. Oh, but why strike when you can just post a tweet being like, don't though? <laughs> when is this announcement supposed to be made, Mitch? Uh, they anna- they made a big announcement Thursday just gone saying, oh boy, we're going to have a big meeting on Monday and make some announcements. And if it turns into another fucking big walk down Swanston Street, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. Yeah. Oh, change the rules, but on a Saturday and don't take time off work. Like People talking about you can't just call a general strike. It's mm. against the law. Mm. Shut the fuck up. First off, shut the fuck up. Secondly, if it's in contravention of OHS standards, you can walk off the job. You're totally allowed to do that. And the laws have been changed over the last two years to say that if your business doesn't have a good COVID safe plan in place, you can walk, you can take them like any other OHS breach. If it sucks, hit the bricks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but also, like, I'm, like, reasonably sure, just mostly because I'm cynical and expect, like, the bare minimum or less than, um, I'm reasonably sure it will more likely be something to do with sick leave. Um, this week yeah. was a really – there was a, real, a little bit of a kerfuffle um, when uh, some workers were talking about, you know, the risk to them in – actually saying that they had tested positive for COVID um, because they would have to then take sick leave that if you're a casual in Australia is more likely than not unpaid. Um, Mm. And so um, Sally McManus basically had to say about this, well, you're still allowed to take leave. The head of the ACT is saying, well, you're you're still allowed to walk off the job. (laughs) Yes, Sally, but that's unpaid. You can't pay rent. Casual workers have the right to not work when they're sick. Um, thank you, I guess. I'm not forced <laughs> to work when I'm sick if I don't want to, but like I think you I think you guys are being a bit unfair because casuals get paid more, which <laughs> upsets the fact that they don't accrue leave. But so also checkmate. Having <laughs> the head of the union say, up, 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 legally, your boss can't do anything bad to you if you take time off for being sick. I said, like, okay, they fucking will, though. Yeah. I could lose my job if I take one sick day off because bosses are cunts. And the head of the union is being like, ah, but they shouldn't. Yeah, like, uh, hands okay, up who's okay, lost, good. like, a casual job from having to take, like, a couple of days off for whatever reason. I've lost my, yeah. I've lost a job that way. They were like, well, we can't make shifts, so see you later. It's like, what? What am I supposed to do with that? I can't pay rent with COVID. Yeah, yeah. You you got to be careful though, because like it, it, you know, if if you if you strike, then that does open you up to retaliation from your employer, who's already making you come into work with COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, if if the unions start like demanding better conditions and pay, then 
The Murdoch media might start posting that the unions have been demanding better pay and conditions, and that's going to make some people Uh, angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lang, I don't know know how sarcastic or ironic you're being, but, you know, that's the age we live in. But, yeah. I was aiming for a nine. As the <laughs> as something that happened this week with that just this is what fucking sent me over the edge was the Australian ran a entirely false hit piece being like oh, the unions are going to cause absolute chaos because they it looks like it looks like they're going to go on strike and demand better wages. Oh. There was no risk of going on strike. They were just saying the unions want better wages and that's going to risk the yeah. economy if we start paying our workers. <laughs> and Sally McManus, profits go. We'll just have a bunch of regular citizens walking around with money in their pockets. And then what will happen? What like, the fuck that'll be? No, 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 no. We need to have all the people poor and the companies rich. That's the only way that the, the, that the profits can keep going up. Well, <laughs> apparently that sentiment is shared by Sally McManus, the head of the unions, because she bothered <laughs> to tweet out, no, we're not planning on striking for better wages and conditions. No. We're not prepared to fight for workers. The <laughs> union movement doing? wants better wages for workers and the head of the union comes out, how dare you? How dare you? Uh, I just, just want to fucking- interject with like an Australian unions post that happened this morning. Just get, just get, just oh, farming yeah, those one. live reacts. Okay. Um, their their <laughs> account posted this morning that COVID positive meat workers are due back at work mm. at the Taze Abattoir tomorrow. The 140 COVID positive staff in the workforce of 400 are being made to wear coloured hairnets to Fuck denote me. their infection <laughs> status. Um, what do you reckon the Australian unions is doing about this? Posting oh. through it. <laughs> I'm I'm pleased to say. FA. I'm pleased to say they have developed a hashtag. Mm. It is hashtag <laughs> WTF Woolies, and that is the sum total of what they have to say about them. <laughs> Let's get it trending. Don't cross <laughs> the hashtag line. Like, <laughs> like, I said, like I said only a few fucking minutes ago, this is the exact thing that workers can go on strike over. Mm. And we know this because if you remember, we on this fucking podcast spent the last two years talking about specifically Woolworths and Coles workers walking off the job because they had unsafe conditions. We yeah. can do it again. They not only walked off the job, they fucking won every yeah. single time they did they it. They keep winning. And yet for some reason, 2022, the unions are just like, oh, well, look, if we do it again, the Murdoch press, you know, they might have some mean head headlines about it as opposed to if we do it again we can keep winning yeah, we'll win again <laughs> i'm not being even disingenuous in just saying it's the australian unions account either sally mcmanus uh, like mm. at the same time saying like you know these workers need our support most are in very insecure employment on visas and are being forced to work covid positive the meat is mainly for export but also woolworths it's all about taze profits tell at woolworths it's unacceptable hashtag oh wtf woolies <laughs> thank you sally mcmanus <laughs> I think it's worth pointing out at this point that, like, under Australian law, refusing to work because there's a safety issue isn't even considered a strike. It's just considered, you know, yeah. the thing that you're allowed to do. Just yeah. <laughs> if they're like, go in the fire it's, pit, you, you just don't have to do that. It's <laughs> literally like, legal oh, to stop work. Just like, no. It's OHNS. <laughs> it's literally under yeah. OHNS legislation. It's way, like, arguably way more effective and also legal. But, like, 
Last week, um, Michaela Cash was talking about, like, you know, doing something to effectively suspend OHS in requirements that would prevent people refusing to work. This was like the yeah. whole thing, like, oh, businesses are saying, oh, we don't have anyone here to do, like, all the really essential jobs. Can we just relax all the red tape that's there? And so Michaela Cash was like, oh, maybe we'll look into it. But, like, that's literally destroying the one remaining protection these sick workers have. And even yeah, I- a talk about that should immediately be just mm. a fire brand for a strike. There's yeah. not even a question about it. This really shows up the whole rhetoric of, oh, it's personal responsibility. Oh, everyone has to make their own decisions. Um, and then suddenly the government comes in on the side of the workplaces against the when the workers want to make their own decisions like hey this is unsafe hey maybe i don't want to work with covid positive cases i don't want to spread covid exactly then (laughs) i'm making my personal responsibility choice to not spread covid and the government's like hold on there we hadn't considered that people might actually utilize their own personal responsibility that's not allowed because that's the thing even if it is allowed to like bail out on work if work looks unsafe you have to be able to argue that that work is unsafe mm. against your workplace, who's more powerful than you. Um, and if your workplace and your government are both saying, oh, we're going to redefine this as safe, mm. then you're in a lot of trouble. So this is something that I unfortunately had to cut out of the fucking amazing interview with Emerald Moon from last week. But like one thing that we got into, broadly speaking, is like a libertarian society would fucking suck. And we're, we're, we're seeing this now that, like, if we had the proper minimum government that only looked after property rights and nothing else, we see, like, we're not even in that society. And yet bosses are like, how about you just come in sick and we fix the problem of the supply chain for at best two days and then everything will fucking fall down because everyone's going to get sick. But, like... This idea, again, of this personal responsibility that we all need to be taking, we need to be taking uh, better, uh, we need to be making better choices and taking responsibility for ourselves. We can only make choices and take responsibility as far as the systems that are in place allow us to do so. We are not islands. We can't. We simply cannot go, mm. I'm going to make the best decision about when to break my leg and end up in an overwhelmed hospital. Like, it doesn't fucking work yeah. like that. We do rely on the government. We do rely on each other, but also this very vague but broad notion of society that we <laughs> live in that requires support from the government so that I can make good personal fucking decisions. Fuck. The government is also so, like, consistently extremely short-term in its thinking, like one to yeah. two days of sort of window of how far ahead <laughs> they think of the consequences of things, <laughs> such that if we had a situation where we're just like, all right, shit, this new job has come up where we need to exhale, you know, so much cubic metres of air, so no inhaling, okay? Everybody just exhale. <laughs> Like this, this fucking situation is so stupid where they're just like, oh, we just need everybody to work, even if they've got COVID, because it's really important that everyone's working. Mm. That is guaranteeing that shit's going to shut down in a couple of days. What the fuck are you yeah. thinking? Because, sure, right now only 50% of your workforce have COVID. Um, what happens when 100% have COVID? Yeah. You've got, then you've got nowhere to go. You're going <laughs> to have to start. We've got herd immunity. You know what they're going to fucking start doing is they're going to start being like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll just get all of those jobs, job Centrelink people and we'll force them to work. They have um, been calling for that already. Yeah, they yeah. have been calling yeah. for that. The yeah. work, work for the Dole people should go to abattoirs and we won't pay them. They'll still be on work for the Dole, but they should be forced Which to do. Which is the crazy thing. <laughs> we're going to deploy job seekers into jobs. We're not going to employ them. 
We're not going to give them jobs. <laughs> yeah, we're going to they're just going to do it for free. We're going to make them work. We'll yeah. make sure that the money will go to Serena Russo <laughs> for the service of putting those bodies in front of those machines. This is my sort of um, my grand sort of theory of this is that this is after this is the final sort of point of years of Australia's always you know how people always talk about how Australia likes to act chilled out but we're like yeah. nation of cops that a hundred percent applies to sick leave and the great mm. tradition of taking a sickie everyone loves how like you know oh yeah take a sickie it's it'll be right like Australians love to do that and just like you know take a day for themselves but employers fucking will suspect every single day that you mm. wish to take for yourself to a minimal granular degree. I've yep. worked in jobs exclusively where if you dare to take a sick day on a Monday or a Friday, you then need to go out of your way to then go get a sick note to prove that you were actually sick, mm. which is yeah. extra expense and time for yourself, presumably when you're still sick. So, like, just, like, they already suspect you for not being sick in regular circumstances. I fucking hate that. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not eight and I have legal sick leave. I'm telling you I'm sick. Fuck off. I'm an adult. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming in. But, like, I mean, yeah, Evie, it's 100% like me, love taking a sickie, tell the boss to stick it, and I'm going to go into the cricket. You, don't you fucking dare, cunt, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an intro for you, Lang. All right. It's climate change. We haven't talked about it in a while. Back on the <laughs> back on the old stuff. That's a terrible intro. <laughs> Just bring, cool. the, bring the positive, bring the energy hey, up. Here we go. Climate change. One thing that messes me up is the fact that we're going through the coronavirus pandemic and. It's just by no means the biggest problem we have. No. Just yeah. no way. Yeah. No, did someone remember to stop climate change while we were at it? Oh, no. No, the two <laughs> problems are making each other worse. Okay, cool. Um, and, and yeah, all right. <clears throat> so, a couple of days ago, on the 13th, uh, it was a record hot day. In fact, it may have been the hottest day ever recorded in Australia. And specifically, the part of Australia in kind of the northwest WA uh, some towns hit over 50 degrees on the 13th of January. Um, That's a lot. Which is fucked. That's like... 122 in Fahrenheit for the American bit. listeners. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> Liberia or wherever it is. I also want to give, Fahrenheit. like, context to this kind of heat. Like... Different temperatures. I mean, it's fucking hot, but also like different temperatures feel like different in like different places in the world. Like, um, like people in the UK get really upset when it goes over thirty degrees when they're in London because just the nature of that environment, it's just fucked up. But also fifty wins, degrees but yeah. in the middle of the fucking desert. I've I've been like in in outback Australia when it's gotten to like forty six. I like even going into a sheltered place just felt I was going to drop dead on the spot. It was fucked. Yeah. It's just it's an insane thing. Yeah. Well, 50 degrees isn't oppressive. 50 degrees is near lethal. 50 degrees is if you're doing anything other than lying in the shade, fully motionless, staying hydrated, you're at a serious risk of injury or death. Yeah. Isaac has just pointed out in our headphones that 50 degrees is the point at which meat becomes safe to eat. If you if you get meat to 50 degrees, it counts as cooked. That's that's 50 degrees. This is good news for all the like soylent adherents to the climate change issue oh, <laughs> as it on. starts to come up. <laughs> but yeah, uh, point being the human the human body and f frankly most other living creatures 
do not function in above 50 degrees. So that's yeah. like, yeah, that's some lethal shit. You have that for more than a day at a time, you've got mass deaths. Human beings are not designed to be cooked, mm. and we stop operating well once we are. So, so that happened. Um, the ABC reported that, you know, there were some record temperatures in Onslo, in the Pilbara. We've got some pictures of people relaxing in kiddie pools. We've got a baby with a fun hat in a little pool there. We've got some fun pictures the of sun. the beach with some sunshine <laughs> above oh, it. So that's like classic climate change, like a serious environmental human existential crisis kind of shit where you're like, oh, this looks pretty dire. They're down to a two-piece bathing suit. <laughs> Oh my god, that just reminded me of something I read in The Guardian yesterday, which was like this absolutely, this article just like, just went through the back of my skull of like how to dress for for Australia's hot, wet summer. Yes. Um, and, And like one of the recommendations was you can wear like a bathing suit and it's an unusual choice, but it dries off fast. And I was just like, are you having a crap of me right now? <laughs> I'm not Man. wearing a fucking bathing suit. <laughs> Just like go out in a bathing suit and it recommends like wearing a coat over the bathing suit yeah. so that you're not like cooked by the sun. <sighs> Whenever I read something like that and it's like, oh, here's some stuff that we can start wearing for the warmer, you know, warmer weather, wetter summers. And it's like, oh, maybe wear a bathing suit with a coat over it. Maybe dress with like some shorts, but also raincoat. I'm like... Basically, what we're talking here is fucking Blade Runner 1982. (laughs) Like, literally, you look at that movie, it's set in a world where it's always raining and hot, and you've got people out there in the clear plastic, like, raincoats with a bikini underneath. You're dressing like a post-apocalyptic survivor. To be fair, I'd look fucking sick in these outfits, but... <laughs> yeah. What we're saying is start dressing for the post-apocalypse you have. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I would absolutely own these outfits. I would uh, I would just completely be able to do them. I'm f- full confidence in that, but also I really don't want to. <laughs> sure. It's so sad to me that we're ending up in the Blade Runner clear poncho over bikini post-apocalyptic attire instead of the Eon Flux socks over shoes huh? post-apocalyptic attire. Okay. That's, that's my preference if we can get it, but oh well. I'll- McLean looking at his closet full of long leather trench coats like, no, nah, not today. <laughs> I just can't believe Eve being like, look, I will, I will, I won't struggle through climate change. I'm built different. I would rock this. It's just my choice to not. <laughs> Fuck it. Some of but us look, just as- have the fashion news for this. Okay, so <laughs> you're just gonna have to deal with that. So, yeah. Just, just, just knowing that the next thing in the notes is so horribly fucked. Yeah. It's a. You just got to do a bit of a. Sigh. Yeah, anyway, let's putting the silly post-apocalyptic fashion shit out of our heads for a second. That it oh man, this next bit is fucked. It's super fucked. Yeah. This is so in the area of Western Australia that hit 50 degrees. But part of that includes the Roborn prison, uh, which is well, it's a prison, you know? Mm. <laughs> that, that that prison hit 50 degrees. That's not even really new. There was news last year that that same prison hit 48 degrees last year. Mm. Have they spent the intervening year making sure all of the cells have air conditioning? No, 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 no. Mm. Absolutely not. They've got some pedestal fans in the cells. This Pedestal it's just, fans? And it's fucked. It's, oh, we're, no, we're moving the hot air around. Thanks. Yeah. Prisons aren't known for their, like, good cross-ventilation, you know climate conscious design it's concrete boxes at best yeah 
This is so years ago, a review into the prison was like, you need climate control in this place. And they were like, climate control? Gotcha. We put pedestal fans in. And then the follow up review was like, no, no, we meant air conditioning specifically. We're recommending air conditioning. We know we're going to fuck around with that air conditioning. So they just, so they just didn't do that. Hmm. There's aircon in the staff bathroom. Oh, Fuck you. Oh my god. Fucking that. That is <laughs> the, the point of that that fucking sent me apart. That's the, the point that sent me apart for this one is so. Of, it's Western Australia. It's a prison. Of course, it's got a massive overrepresentation of Indigenous population mm-hmm. in there. It's like eighty percent is Indigenous. Fucking hell. The Department of Justice in Western Australia. Deploy- so when they're like, how come you're letting it get so fucking hot in there? How come you haven't put any fucking air conditioning? Obviously, I don't think the the the, the you know review included so many f bombs, but I'm this. mad. So the department, their excuse for not putting in climate controls was. The prisoners in the region, they're acclimatized to these conditions. Oh, fuck off. Absolutely. And that's so fucked up. Oh, my God. What an insane thing to say. Because that's just... That's the official stance of the Department of Justice in Western Australia is don't worry about it. Black people are designed to be hot. Fuck. It is fine. Fucking, just want to say is also, this is the racism. same. This is the same um, police force and, and and prison justice system that went into overdrive to find a little girl like mere months ago, put every uh. single monetary resource at that, and couldn't even think maybe as a priority coming into summer, maybe some air conditioning for people who are in a prison in the desert. Like, and look, it's not like it's expensive. You can pick up a portable air conditioner for like fifty bucks. You've got budget <laughs> for that. Um, you, you the the price of one of That's your cop fun. cars air conditions the whole prison to it like a minimum degree. Um, and this is the thing. Like, yeah, different people have like different temperature preferences. A degree or two. No one is acclimatized to a fifty degree day. Nobody. No human being also, in a prison That's 50 outside. That's 50 yeah. outside. Imagine how hot it is inside when you can't get away from it. It's the humidity, yeah. That's so far. That's so far. It's fun. also, the, the, it's an overpopulated prison. Yeah. Like, it's it's not just, like, it would be warmer even in cooler days because you're packing more people into the area that that is not meant to hold that many people. It's it's. It's death camp it's shit. so fucked. That's I mean, this is there. just, I mean, sorry to preach to the choir here, but this is like one of those situations where it just shows the urgency of what something like abolition is needed. Because mm. what alternative do you have to abolition that's not really abolition, that isn't dooming people to be in a prison where they boil to death? What, what's your solution? High-tech yeah. prisons where they're still Nicer boiling to prisons. death? <laughs> Yeah, like, the, the, but that's the thing. Yeah. The idea that, well, actually, just aircon. It's like, no, no, no. But the fact that we cannot get even that in there yeah. shows yeah, that the system mm. is working in the way that they want the system to work. Yeah. And it's so still, get rid of the system. Yeah, if, if you gave them aircon, it's still like buying into that thing of like, you know, how people, whenever they hear about prisoners getting something that is essential to making a life pleasurable, they're like, yeah. why are they getting that? They're in prison for life. It's like, well, yeah. they're in prison for yeah. life. They yeah. did something bad to society, so society's allowed to do something bad to them. Yeah. And then you fucking Except look up what the bad again. thing that they did was, and it was like, oh, they got noticed by a cop at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't pay a debt or something. Like, there's so many people in prison for stupid reasons as well. Yeah, yeah. They were out at night. It's the punitive yeah. nature of the prison, just like the prison system and the justice system as a whole, um, that just shows, like you know, what people's prejudices are when it comes to something like a disaster like this. Like, I do not want to see the kind of Facebook comments 
that have come up for this particular incident. Mm. You can just imagine it in your head, dear listener, like the kind of things that people would say about prisoners being locked in this room that is probably I mean, about 60 degrees. Well, I can imagine what sort of deranged racist Facebook brains would say. They would say something like, black people are designed by God to endure hotter temperatures. <laughs> oh, the official God. stance of the Western Australian Department of Justice is yeah. exactly as cooked as a yeah. just racist-ass boomer on a Facebook comment. It's just... Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> so the other the other thing that's in this region is this is the northwest part of of Australia. This is the biggest gas field area. This is right next to the Carnarvon Basin. Um, and so basically, you look at this little town of Oslo and nearby towns, and then you look just off the coast, and there's fucking hundreds of gas fields. And the Western Australian Fuck. government is working as hard as they can. Labor government, by the way, working as hard as they can to make more gas fields. And so you've kind of got this situation where you have a government in one of the driest, hottest places in the world working as hard as they can to dig up more fossil fuels to make the problem worse while simultaneously trying to lock up their indigenous population in overheated boxes. And none of this is something that anyone in power is trying to solve. I, I have to, I have to, point of order there, Lang. They're just digging up the fossil fuels. That doesn't make the problem worse. Burning the fossil fuel makes the problem worse. But we're not doing that. We're just digging it up. Oh, don't get me wrong. We're just digging it up. We're burning a, we're burning a bunch of it. But yeah, we're just digging it up for other people to burn. It's not really our fault. And then we sell it to them. And if they burn it, none of our business. They can do whatever they want with it. Yeah. yeah what if they just hold it? No problem yeah, with the Yeah, they climate. might just be holding it. They might want to look at it. Our hands are clean. Tell that to your grandchildren, uh, <laughs> whoever the Western Australian government's grandchildren are. Um, and so you read news articles that are like, oh, well, maybe we're going to have to look into how we can keep this town cool sustainably in the future. We're going to have to investigate, you know, how to, to design climate conscious houses. It's like, look, if you're looking for a way to solve this problem, just look offshore. Just look offshore at the hundreds of gas fields there. That's step number one. I don't know. I don't know what else to what else to say here. Um, no, no. Step two. Shit's fucked. Actually, the government isn't doing a thing about it. But you know who does seem to actually give the slightest shit is just general people, and especially young people who are working as mm. hard as they can to make people aware of this problem and fix this problem, and the system is trying to stop them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like, oh, there's people trying to shut down the gas fields. What we should do is put them in our prisons. There's, there's people uh, trying to make other people aware that the situation is bad. We should throw them in prison as well. We should get rid of them. This one is, uh, there's a climate activist uh, called Rosa Hicks. She's uh, part of Extinction Rebellion. Um, she was raided by the West Australian counter-terrorism police because all she did was blow up a school. <laughs> That's that, Right, wait, no, hold on a second. She didn't blow up a school. She took some photos of some other activists who were writing a message on a bridge in chalk. Okay. Honestly, I'd, pref- I'd prefer the school being blown up. That is that is fucked up, man. That Fo- counter-terrorism yeah. unit just, like, down those fire poles. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's not even... It's a chalk message. Just wait. I, I, I was going to say wait till it rains, but it's Western Australia. But... <laughs> just hose it off. It's, hose it off. It's not even fucking vandalism. She wasn't even doing it she was just taking photos of it 
Anyway, the, the police prosecutors argued that photographing the incident, like the, 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 the incident being writing messages on a bridge in chalk, amounted to aiding and abetting these dangerous mm-hmm. terrorists. Uh, the, the news this week, it's kind of good news in the sense that a bad thing didn't happen when it could have. The judge threw out this case and he ordered the, the cops to pay her legal expenses. But Fucking right. But what? Yeah, fucking right. But also, what the fuck is this happening in the first place? This this is not just like, oh, well, the case got thrown out. Her legal fees got paid. So, you know, no harm, no foul. Mm. She got raided by mm. the counterterrorism police. Yeah. Who are they looking for? This is the thing. This is the thing. Like, every other bit of, you know, every other climate activist getting arrested for various spurious, you know, attempts at, you know, charging them with a crime. This is purely to set a precedent. They tried to get yeah, away yeah. with something as audacious as possible. So if she was convicted, that sets a precedent for every other thing that happens. It's not even that because they've, you know, they've they've not won the case against her, but they still broke into her home, went through all of her shit, mm. arrested her, confiscated her phone, put her under bail conditions that meant she's not allowed to associate with other activists, which is going to be the majority of her social circle probably. Yeah. Like it's not nothing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's a warning to everyone else. Like, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm looking is... at that and just like I don't want to go anywhere near a situation in which I would potentially be at risk there. Yeah, and they wasted presumably thousands or millions of dollars of Santos's money in the process. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is this is what I think like needs to be reiterated like more and more loudly is that like this is part of the justice system at work. It's not just mm. about that final conviction. Cops will regularly arrest you on spurious charges or make your life hell or threaten you with shit knowing full well that if they somehow manage to get a conviction out of a judge that's just a a weird bonus that they're not really expecting but the whole point is the harassment to start with this is how cops work this isn't cops just going like oh let's let's try this this time this will be fun they're always fucking doing this all Mm -hmm. of the time and it's just now that this is something that's like just a couple of degrees into really fucking stupid as opposed to just fucking stupid that people can go, wait, why are you doing that to that mm. degree? But this is the point. They want, like Avi just said, they want to scare you into doing things. They want you to just go, we will make, they want you to go, fuck, my life will be hell regardless of the outcome for a long enough period of time where it's not worth it. And here's the thing. Yeah. These aren't even serious crimes. Like, there's some other protesters- <laughs> It's fucking who- chalk! No, I mean- Well, that's the thing. There's other protesters in this group who've, like, pled guilty to obstructing, you know, traffic and whatnot. And have gotten, like, $1,000 fines. So, you're deploying, like, large numbers of police equipment, procedural time. You've got your counterterrorism unit. You're raiding houses. And in the end, you're like, yeah. fucking got him. $1,000. It's like, what? That's a parking ticket. <laughs> the shit are you doing? And it is just about the fear. It's not about the legal system. It's not about yeah. the crime. It's just about the fear. It's the fear of what could happen to you in the legal process because, as everyone knows, there is a certain level of privilege that it comes to actually interacting mm. with the legal system as well if you're on the wrong side of it. But what kind of lawyer are you going to get? What kind of representation can you expect? What is your outcome going to look like depending on what kind of protections you have? And here's the thing. I'm going to assume all these protesters were white um, or very privileged in some way. And this is the thing. This kind of, 
of fear of the police means you can only really do these protest actions if you're not someone who's going to be disappeared. It's like when old ladies who get involved in like XR stuff, because it's like, well, yeah. you know, what are you going to do and arrest an old lady? I may as well go in and just like do my bit for it, which I really respect, by the way. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But then they do just arrest the old lady. Yeah, yes. they do just they drag do them off. But it looks bad on the newspapers. It's much harder to spin that for your boomer audience that these guys deserved it because they go, hang on, they look a bit like me. Maybe this is a problem. Ah, they're blocking ambulances. Fuck them. Praise be. Hillsong happened. We had three days of glorious festival. We were all there. It was so much fun. Getting my dance on. Bathing in the love and light of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Doing a shoey of water. <laughs> that was the funniest Is thing I saw. Thing? Like a sh- a sh- a sh- yeah, someone happened. found a TikTok of like some of the kids doing shoeys of water at the Hillsong concert. Like, okay. I'm sure that's significant in some way. <laughs> so silly. Shoeys they're just really undermining up- our claim that we were there. <laughs> they're, they're, holding up, they're holding up the shoe like, oh, I hope this doesn't turn into wine. <laughs> 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 fucking hell. Oh, that sucks. All right, I'm going to fucking skewer these cunts. That's so lame. Um, most, most of our listeners will probably be aware of what has happened recently, but Australia continues to have no access to rapid antigen tests to test for the disease of COVID-19, SARS-CoV-19. Oh, oh, Australia, oh. the Australian no. public <laughs> has no access to rapid antigen tests. Oh, we'll get to that. The Australian, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they also recently changed the laws around uh, public gatherings and specifically at entertainment venues and outdoor entertainment venues, all the rest of it. Uh, there's no dancing, no mosh pits. Uh, please have a seat when you're watching your bands, all that sort of stuff. They specifically, though didn't include religious gatherings. And just, you know, a few days ago, uh, Hillsong Youth, which is that huge, big Pentecostal weird church, we all we all know and love it, uh, had a big, like, three-day gathering thing where they... It was just a music festival. I, I, yeah. I, I'll get into it in a little bit, but, like, a bunch of metal festivals have had to be cancelled, dance festivals cancelled, whatnot, because even with reduced capacity, like, they... they, they can't run at a profit. There's no point. It's going to be a money losing venture anyway. Hillsong continued to happen, and as the as the the cherry on top of all of this is, not only did the music festival of Hillsong, which it was a music festival, happened, they managed to get rapid antigen tests two of to each person that came. Yeah, don't know oh, how they managed worry. to source that. We're, it's fine <laughs> that we had a big music festival in the middle of the worst COVID outbreak that Australia has ever seen. It's fine because we also somehow managed to secure two antigen tests per attendee when even pharmacies cannot get their hands on them these days. So mm. that's that's been another. Just as a, the quick tangent to this is that uh, for the longest time, Scott Morrison was smugly and horribly saying, oh, I don't want to undercut the free market. Don't want to undercut the free market. And then went, oh, actually, okay, we'll supply rapid antigen tests to people uh, like for, for free if you've got a concession card and you can just pick them up from your pharmacy. And the <laughs> pharmacy guild and the pharmacists went, oh, cool, so you'll give us rats. And they went, no, get them yourself. And somehow in some way in the future, 
will figure out how to pay you back for them. And so pharmacies went, God, that's so fucked up, but okay, we'll do that. Can we have some rats? And they went, no. And they went, okay, we'll, we'll go to the private sector then. Like, incidentally, me and my partner did. We ordered some rats online because we fucking need them to live. And then the pharmacies and Australian citizens got emails from the private suppliers going, hey, sorry, we had to cancel your order because the Australian government has requisitioned all of these tests and we cannot supply them to you anymore. Now, we're not saying the Australian government requisitioned tests from pharmacies to give to Hillsong, but we are heavily implying it. Yeah. All we're saying is that they did take them, Hillsong ended up getting them from somewhere, and our Prime Minister is a high-ranking member of that church. Oh, McLean, McLean, leaving out some important information, so is the New South Wales Premier. He's also a weird religious nut. (laughs) He's he's also very religiously Christian and Christianly religious. And I I just want to, because we're we're not, we're not religion stupid generally. No. Uh, Maybe Mitch is a bit, but. (laughs) (laughs) I like metal. (laughs) Specifically focusing on Hillsong as a particularly cooked church. It's not like, oh, Christians are dumb. Hillsong though. What the fuck? Mitch and I both have grudges against Hillsong because we both were in Hillsong in our youth. That's why we're also talking authoritatively as to whether the music festival, which it was, was a music (laughs) festival or not, which it was. So this is the thing. This outrage hit and everyone, and like especially in my fucking bubble, because I had friends of mine recently find out that a festival that they were working at was cancelled while they were at the airport to go to that festival for work. Like that's and that's like the logistics of it and the way these whole things work is that that can be up to like a month or two of work of a traveling circus of this whole fucking thing taking place. Not to mention people in bands that haven't been able to like have a proper income for two years, all that sort of stuff. All of this has been been cancelled. Footage comes out of of Hillsong where they've got their fucking like truss lights on a huge big stage with like a 400 person mosh pit and they're giving up and they're throwing up their hands and they're having their big rock concert like Hillsong do. And then that's got footage of the like acoustic guitars where they're all praying in the same mosh pit and McLean and I can get into it a little bit. And the most like atrocious horribly evil thing that I saw was when all the like the youth leaders were standing on these plinths amongst a sea of people and they were like blaring turn down for what and they were all throwing their hands back in the whitest thing I've ever seen that's that's not praise or worship yeah it's kind of just like a big party song in it so so when Hillsong was under fire for, for, for this, they, they had this response, right? These events are our annual high school-aged youth camps. They're not similar to a music festival in any way. A video circulating on social media today reflects a few minutes of this part of the program. You see, the way that we organise the... Pro- I've stopped. This is not a direct quote anymore. You see, the way that we've organised this program is we set up a big stadium with a big lighting thing and a big dance floor that we use for a few minutes out of the whole <laughs> festival. That's it. <laughs> what we do is everyone's sitting down very appropriately socially distancing. We're just studying Bible verses. And then it's 12 o'clock. Everybody gets up into the mosh pit, has a big fuck off dance. 12.02, back to sitting down. That's the program. That's what we're expecting you to believe. We're a major church and we're fucking bearing false witness. In our press statements. <laughs> so, so, so like to give some context and McLean, speak to your experiences as well. Preach to it, brother. Um, Like, 
When I was a teenager, like it was like, you know, 16 to 18, uh, if you listen to last week's episode, uh, Emerald Moon and I talked about on the north coast of New South Wales, we had uh, the Youth Activity Centre and the Byron Bay High School would have infrequent hardcore gigs. I was in the music scene, I was a drummer at the time, and I fucking loved concerts, and that was my community, that was my thing. But it was super hard to go to these concerts. They were like once every two, three months or whatnot. But Hillsong and the churches that are um, based off of them, affiliate churches and all the rest of it, have a very like distinct and specific modus operandi where they throw concerts every Friday yeah. consistently. So I got into this Hillsong group and I was a drummer in that band. Every fucking Friday night for two or three years, I had a venue and a place where I could drum to some relatively heavy music. You know, it wasn't as heavy as I like. But, like, <laughs> I I had a, a, a mosh pit I could get into. I had a community. And it was also really fucking safe. Like, obviously, there's no fucking alcohol there. It's under 18 anyway. But there are also Christian youth leaders. The 20-year-olds don't drink. And so... It's they they deliberately foster not only a sense of, you know, community and belonging in Christ and all the rest of it. They have fun rock concerts that gets everyone's energy up and everyone gets a sweat on and everyone's dancing and moshing and the endorphins kick in. And when everyone's feeling really good, they stretch it a little bit longer to make sure everyone's also just a little bit tired and a little more susceptible to ideas. And then they bring the tone right down. And I have Mm. had some like... Pink Floyd level jams with these motherfuckers where we're just vibing on almost ambient music and they're praying for people and they're getting people into the church. But the entire point is that it's a fucking music festival. (laughs) And so for Hillsong to say it doesn't look like a music festival in any way, not only does this three-day special event that they held look like a music festival, every fucking week is a music festival. Yeah, it is their primary recruitment method to the point where it's the name of the church. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a song on a hill. Come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> it, it's so galling. And anyone who's been to... Here's the thing. I'm, I'm expanding my call out from the Hillsong leadership. Anyone who attends Hillsong is fully fucking aware of the kind of church that they go to. And I bet that every single one of their fucking little fucking little shit attendees is like, <laughs> oh, the, the Australian trying to uh, shut down our worship. Oh, good on the, the PR for people. It's not a music festival. It's a worship event that is a music festival. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that the distinction is fewer people are on pingers. (laughs) (laughs) Not, but it's not zero pingers. (laughs) The amount of sex and drugs that happen at these fucking events is incredible and no one there is going to fucking admit that, but it's true. It's not incredible. It's like normal for a music festival, (laughs) which is incredible for a church. But they're a music festival first and a church second. In my experience, it is actually a little more... So, like, less of it happens per capita, but the stuff that does happen is fully, like, it's it's freaky and, and cool because you've got a whole bunch of people that spend months before this festival going, oh, I, I couldn't, I don't, I'm saving myself for marriage. Uh, Ooh, this oh, no, really oh, is repression. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, no, we're all in a mosh I'm getting so sweaty and dancing oh, with no. them. Oh, no. I, oh, I don't dear. want these teenagers to experience their first time in a grotty tent where, like, someone's just shut outside. <laughs> want better for yourself. <laughs> 
Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but Evie, don't 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 tell yourself shot. You're not factoring in the the, the months and months of guilt that follow. <laughs> <laughs> even that's delicious. Even even the guilt afterwards is just the delicious bit. I've just been so like everyone jokes about you know I've been a bit naughty, but I mean imagine if your eternal soul was on the line. That's like mm. extreme <laughs> naughty. Yeah, I'm gonna say traumatizing, but you know <laughs> you can take your own read for it. <laughs> and this is this is where I get to do a little bit of uh, you know, drip conspiracy theory on my part. Reddit atheism, new atheism. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, let's go, let's go. But talking about you know Scott Morrison being tangentially related to these this church. I think isn't it like he's yeah. not a member of Hillsong, but he is good friends with Brian Houston, who is the head of Hillsong. Yeah, he's in Horizon. I think there is like a really legitimate reason to worry about like connections with like you know religious fanatics and that sort of thing, and like <laughs> having you know undue influence in the government of the time. I don't think we're any risk from like a takeover of like the Pentecostal Church or anything, but hmm. it's okay yeah, to we've have only that. Got a state premier in the prime minister, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but they're not in positions of power. <laughs> it be, it's reasonable to have it be one stream as a cause for concern. I get I think the thing where it really starts to go off the rails is that when Drips particularly tried to like draw the influence of Hillsong into every other thing that's bad with the government. It's like mm. these people can still be beholden to coal interests without having Hillsong involved. It's not like a you know wide arching conspiracy theory in that way. It is just a thread in, in the ways in which they are influenced by private interests. I think I think it's yeah I think it's worth thinking about the influence that Hillsong has on our government in the same way you would think about the influence that like Twiggy Forrest or Gina yeah. Reinhart have on government and I yeah. think there is cooked elements to Scott Morrison's approach to public life and policy influenced by his weird religious views. How could it not be? He is a weird religious person. It's going to seep in. But he also has weird views on climate change, and that's yeah. seeping in as well. I think it's worth investigating, but it's not worth making it the entire reason for his activities. Yeah, mm. like it's it's no different in execution to how Tony Abbott was like a weird religious churchy dude who also had weird <laughs> ideas about women's health and climate change. People were absolutely being like, oh, Da Vinci Code shit, though. Yeah. <laughs> Like his Catholicism. That's the like, thing. They weren't normal about that either. It, no, they were absolutely not normal. Like <laughs> he was like a weird churchy dude who left the ministry and then decided to become a, like a, like a an MP. But also like none of those things. Like you know, they can have an influence in the way he behaves and the way he talks and the decisions he makes. But again, it's not like an overarching conspiracy theory yeah. in its in and of itself. Well, I think. Um the the main conspiracy that you're all missing out on <clears throat> has been staring us in the face the whole time because if you take Hillsong and read it backwards, uh, <laughs> what it says is gnos li. Now gnos is uh, the word in ancient Greek for knowledge and understanding oh, of, true. and li yeah. obviously lithium hydride, <laughs> which is a major <laughs> a major mineral industry in Australia and a component oh, for. God battery storage <laughs> so i'm just saying guys i'm just saying you'll see you'll see keep your eyes on the lithium hydride uh my third eye just opened <laughs> all that said and all that ranting sort of aside though i mentioned how you know in my bubble my friends have just been absolutely fucked by festivals closing and, and all the rest of it i've also had a really fucking hard time with this personally 
because there was a there was a festival night and day that happened. Uh, I want to give them a specific shout out because they fucking absolutely dropped the ball on keeping people like COVID safe. They did the bare minimum that was required of them by the government, but I know a lot of people that got really sick with COVID at that festival because of course they did. There's tens of thousands of cases a day spreading through the community. It was always going to happen like that. And I and a bunch of other people have messaged them privately and publicly and tried calling them out and be like, hey, couldn't you at least have said there were instances of COVID being transmitted at the festival? Please, if you can isolate, get a test, monitor for symptoms, watch out for yourself, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't because the the, the, the promoters that are running that festival haven't had festivals proper for two years now. They're fucking desperate to mm. get money happening again so they're willing to throw people into the meat grinder for money but also at the same time people are willingly buying tickets for the meat grinder Mm. and so there's people just being like i don't know if like some of it has to be a mix of like i don't care about the virus anymore some of it is ignorance of being like i will be protected because they've got protections in place they say it's Mm. safe some of it might be i don't fuck with covid at all i've never cared for two years like it's it's such a complicated thing because watching all of the like uh, discussion about Hillsong being like, isn't it fucking disgusting that that could go ahead and my festival couldn't? It was sort of like, wow, well, it was fucked that it went ahead. It sh- probably should have been shut down, as should your music festivals. Mm. There was another festival, Unify, that did shut down because on the day it happened, they couldn't get enough mer- emergency services on site to have it up to OH&S standard. But if they did- we would have seen the same sort of like crammed mosh pits as happened at Hillsong. And it's like, no, I don't think at the moment either of those should be taking place. But then that just leads to the next bit, which is, and then all of these music promoters and these bands and these roadies and these techs should be getting some sort of support from the fucking government for this. Yes, this is the thing. When we talk about like COVID normal, that's changing the debt that we owe to each other in the community to be overly on us. Like when a government takes an emergency response as they did over the last two years, that takes away a lot of like our needing to be responsible for our own, our own actions, yeah. which is great. That's how it should be. Like, you know, you, you, want, you want to keep other people safe by and large, you know, I'm not including the cookers in that because they are a very, very small minority. <laughs> um, but like by and large, we all want to keep ourselves safe, but we also want to keep everyone else safe. And that was like the whole promise of the lockdowns was we're going to get we everything. That's why we have a government. Yeah, that, like the whole idea is like, you know, we're going to get everything ready by the time we have vaccines and we have COVID normal. That means, yeah, COVID's going to get through the community, but also that we're going to have the resources to stay safe that mm. even if we're vaccinated, we're not going to get seriously ill. And the moment that we're in right now, which is such a weird sort of situation to live in, especially after two years of lockdown, mm. is I have had this, like, you know, I and my friends have had this enormous thing in our heads of when we're vaccinated, it will be better on the other side. Mm. We're probably going to get COVID, but the things will be in place necessary to keep us safe. And, Mm. you know, some, some, you know, businesses have done their best to make sure that happens. Like, you know, they'll close if there's COVID cases or they'll make sure everything's outside. They'll make ventilation and everything. But if the impetus isn't there, Sorry, if the if the impetus isn't there to like make sure that people are safe, 
Why would they if the if the the only thing on the line is making sure that they survive as a business or not? Like I'm not saying that it's a right thing to do like that night and day did, but I can see why they did it because there's no yeah. penalty and they don't have they don't owe anything of saying, "Well, it's your own personal responsibility that you came. You knew there was a risk. We're going to tell you, okay, yeah, there's going to be 50,000 people here. Good luck though." Like what can you do? Here's my take on this, um, is that we've come very rapidly and quickly into this weird situation that we're not used to, which is that concept of personal responsibility, which I fucking hate, because yeah. <laughs> Australia generally does have that kind of nanny state thing going on. And especially through all of COVID, the rules have been so strict that people have in their minds this concept that if I'm allowed to do it, it's okay. Like- if if when the government has said you can't go to restaurants but you can eat outside, what they're saying is eating outside is safe. And people go, okay, I'll eat outside. That's safe. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to wear masks. Oh, you have to wear masks in the supermarket. You don't have to wear them in the park. People go, okay, I'm not wearing my mask in the park. That's safe. But now the government has just stepped back entirely and said, fucking work it out yourselves. It's on you safe. now. Do whatever you want. You're allowed to do anything. And people have gone, oh. Oh, I'm allowed to go to the cinema, a fully packed cinema. I guess that's safe. No, it's not safe. It's not safe. You've just been allowed to do it. You're a toddler whose parent has just gone <laughs> off for the weekend and left you alone with the liquor cabinet. But that's not okay. Like, just because you can do it and no one's stopping you doesn't mean that's safe. But we haven't got a... We haven't got this cultural, social understanding yet that we need to be looking out for ourselves. And I reckon if you had people from, like, America, where they've been abandoned by their government for decades, they have an, a more internal understanding of, oh, we're all fending for ourselves. I own a gun and I don't do dangerous activities because we don't have hospitals. <laughs> Aside from owning a gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they own a gun statistically because... Statistically extremely dangerous. Yeah, okay. Don't do that bit. But, yeah, it'd be like if the government suddenly said... Oh, there's no speed limits. And everyone went, fuck, I guess I'm good to just drive at any speed. No. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, man. It's, Imagine it's, the number of people bad. who'd be, like, speeding 120 in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck you, school well, kids. that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the way that sort of the suburbs, like, the traffic design works, taking off speed limits actually tends to make people drive at more sensible speeds. Mm. Uh, but it, not getting into <laughs> but, not getting into civic engineering, but uh, civil engineering. Anyway, I'm not getting into that at all. Um, there is also a thing that I think is relevant here that is a bit of a psychological phenomenon that maybe I'm doing a bit too much mm. reading into a situation. But in IT, there's a thing called security fatigue, mm. which mm. is like if you're doing proper internet security, you should use a separate password for every single website, use a password manager, set up two-factor authentication mm. on as many things that allow it as possible. Like, there's a, quite a long list of all these different things. And if you sort of start giving people all of these rules, there's this sort of me measurable psychological phenomenon mm -hmm. where people just sort of do some of them mm. and then stop because they're like, look, I've put a lot of effort in and they genuinely have. And this sort of thing kicks in where their brain just goes, surely that's enough then. Yeah. And... They just genuinely feel like that. And I, I think that that is the point where the, the sort of things do need to be imposed top down where you don't, it, it, it's clearly like it's demonstrable that just having those rules in place and having those sort of um, explanations to why those rules are important in place uh, is, is also needed. But you need to have like your password has expired. We're making you use a two-factor yeah. two authentication thing or you can't log in. Because if you don't have those sort of rails in place 
people will stray outside of them even if they understand what's going on, even if they are Mm. earnestly interested in doing the right thing, even if they are responsible, that decision fatigue kicks in Mm. and they can't make that many decisions for themselves. Like, that's another reason that we have the government is to say, this is what we need to do. Mm. That's one of the reasons that we have a government. They're not doing that, so it's not really a reason that we have them. But ostensibly an ideal government would serve that purpose that they're not currently doing. The concept of people can make their own decisions is always pushed by people who want to take advantage of people making their own decisions. It's pushed by, like, cigarette companies, by polluting companies, by fucking gambling or alcohol companies or anyone who's like, yeah, people will do the wrong thing, but they've got to make their own decisions. That's freedom. Um no. People are ba- people are free to make their own decisions. Counter argument: the ad industry exists. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say, Lang, like that's that's the reading too much into it that I was going to do because I enjoy it. Of like, it's not just the predatory businesses that do it. All businesses do that, and to just broaden it out a little bit further, the mm. neoliberal project in Western society over the last forty years has been one of atomization. Of Mm. just going, you the individual, look after you the individual, and if you want your family, but otherwise, it's just you. And we haven't built up collectivist attitudes in so long. And so Mm. it's like, we, we talked about this when the vaccine was first being rolled out, where we had these issues where it was like, why is this ad for the vaccine just being like, hey, protect yourself, get the vax, you'll be right. And why wasn't it, let's protect each other. Let's, as a society, band together to look after each other. And so this is the thing missing from Scott Morrison's current proclamations about personal responsibility. There's no focus on, you should make decisions that benefit others. It's just, you should make the decisions that are best for you. And so people go, well, I'm fucking young and fit, and I'm over two years of lockdown, so fuck you. I'm going to go, and if I get COVID, I don't even care. And it's like, well, okay, but... Other people, immunocompromised Mm. people, older people, people with comorbidities are going to fucking suffer and also totally fine, healthy, normal people will be totally fucked by things unrelated to COVID as the hospital system backs up. And (laughs) And young and healthy people will Mm -hmm. get fucked up by getting COVID. That's That's the last bit is that all of this sort of, you know, we're not even talking about COVID properly anymore. But my main point is just that this is a an issue where we're not talking about ourselves as an intrinsic part of a society anymore. Yeah. We're just we're just these individuals that are bumping into each other, and, but we're ultimately doing our own thing. And we're fucking not, not in any people, way whatsoever. People stopped making all of their own decisions the minute they formed into small foraging groups. Like, you don't <laughs> present someone with a pile of mushrooms and they go, which of these mushrooms is good? And you go, you make your own decisions. No, you have some old lady who goes, the blue ones are good, the brown ones are bad. We figured that out. <laughs> Eat those ones. You go, thank you. I'm going to trust you to make that decision for me because you're the expert. Oh, typical elites. I'm not listening to you, old lady. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Shoutouts this week. Fuck Australia Day. <laughs> Australia Day sucks. But seriously, though. Reverse shout out to Australia Day, which is coming up soon. Uh, each hit Australia Day. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already on board with the fact that Australia Day is a dumb racist <laughs> fake holiday. I really like the idea that we've had a listener who's like, <laughs> Whoa. You know, following us for a hundred episodes. Hold on a second. Green <laughs> <laughs> <Green> and gold. <laughs> I always it always just blows my mind to, you know, 
remember that Australia Day wasn't even celebrated nationally properly in a unified way uh, before 1994. Yeah, it's new. I was was five when Australia Day was properly happening all across the country on January 26th deliberately. And people talk about it now when we we, we say we should really change the date. This is is fucked. Going, it's our tradition. It's our tradition. 1994. Right. The, the year before Toy Story came out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why I remember that? Fuck. It's also the year that I got my citizenship. And I just oh, – nice. re- and hilariously, mm. on Australia How Day – How do you feel about that decision now? <laughs> on Australia Day, I got my, my citizenship in 1994. And, and, like, the funniest thing about that is, like, that – I very clearly remember that being – a, not like a huge deal, but like they ma- they were like, oh, isn't it cool that you're doing it on Australia Day? I'd never like obviously I was a child, but like even in school, you still you still get like a like a little bit of an idea of what Australia Day means and that sort of thing. But it wasn't really like a huge thing, in, like you know, talked about in school as much. We talked about like Australian history and the Gold Rush. Well, if you're talking about 1994. Then it was not talked about in school, but probably because it was the first time they'd ever done it. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, that's the it, thing. there's things about Australian history, but like, never about like, yeah, it, the, the, I'd remember it being a big deal to have my citizenship on mm. Australia Day at that time. But like, I remember it increasing slowly each, like, you know, every year from that year. And like, it was really like, like all bad things about Australia really kicked in in the Howard years. Yeah, mm. he he made it a he made it a like cornerstone of his culture wars to talk about like the black armband view of history. We can't talk about all the things we did to Indigenous Australians. No, no, talk about. I'm not apologising. Blah blah blah. And also on the other side of the coin, he was going Australia Day, but we got it. We got to secure it. The leftists want to take it from you, but you're Australian. We can't take it. It was deliberate, and it, it worked really well. And the funny thing, whenever he says like um, black armband history, is like, oh yeah, we can't look at the black armband view of history. But let's obsess about the two world wars that we were in for some yeah, reason right? <laughs> and not actually take any learnings from being in that. I'm just going to say that when John Howard dies, I'm going to start scolding people who are mourning it. Because <laughs> like, don't take this black armband view of John Howard. Yeah. <laughs> He's dead. Can't you appreciate the good stuff of that? <laughs> Can't you appreciate all the good that John Howard's death is bringing into the world, guys? Can't you just... <laughs> <laughs> and when people scold you back, refuse to apologise. Hmm. <laughs> as, a, as a proper shout-out, though, there are two really great... Um, Charities you could you could donate to. Pay the rent, Sisters Inside. Look them up. They are fucking fantastic. And as we come into Australia Day, Invasion Day, and the protests will be happening, um, you should be paying the rent anyway. This is stolen land. And Sisters Inside are a fantastic organisation that help Indigenous Australian women uh, while they're, uh, you know, facing jail, when they're in jail, and when they're out of jail as well. Because as you can imagine, it's really fucked in this country if you're in that position. So donate yep. to them. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at all the socials at notgoodpod or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. I think I misspoke one of my words in there and it's up to listen to figure out which one. <laughs> Probably the one they heard you misspeak. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go back and listen. You're focusing on the past, Mitch. <laughs> Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.